afternoon tea to help dispel my gloom. At the close, I was asked to say a word to the assembled ladies, and looking them squarely in the face, I exclaimed, What language is there to describe my for all of this kindness? What word can describe my feelings? Then I burst, then in a burst of enthusiasm, I thundered, I know just the word. You are without a doubt the most homely women I have ever met. Brother, I learned the hard way that there are words used in the old country that are never used here, even if homely in Wales does not, or does mean wholesome, gracious, kind, loving, and motherly. Uh, and so uh, words are very important, and what they mean are very important. And I read that, I thought that was kind of funny. And, uh, and of course, working in, uh, in, in foreign languages, it, it, you, you can make those mistakes. Of course, that's English and English, but a little bit of a different meaning of English. So words are very important. Proverbs chapter number 25 and verse number 11, the Bible says this, 25 verse number 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your word that we can study, that we can learn from. And God, may we use your word to guard our words that we would use. And God, may we be careful of the words that come out of our mouth. Father, may we, have, uh, may we use our words, Father, for uh, your honor and for your glory and to edify and exalt your name, Father. And we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person uh, that's here and each and every person that's listening. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse, uh, Proverbs 25:11 is probably one of my uh, favorite, one of my many favorite verses. I have a lot of uh, favorites. It's not my ultimate favorite, but I always love this proverb. I, I thought it was so picturesque. The Bible says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Now, I'll say along with that, I did not always practice this verse, okay? Uh, but I like the verse. It's very, uh, it's just, I don't know, the way it's worded, uh, it's just a very descript uh, and elegant verse. And I just like the way it's worded. So we're going to look at this, and, uh, and, and I put down for these two verses, suitable words. Suitable words. The Bible says here in verse number 11, a word fitly spoken. In other words, a word that's put right in the right place. Many times when I'm speaking, uh, I, I have a hard time coming up with the right word, and I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm thinking, I'm like, what's that word I want to use I wanna, that, that would fit here, and it would describe this perfectly, and it would be a good word. It would be a fit word. It would be a suitable word to be able to put into that area. And the Bible would describe that as a fit word, uh, a word fitly that would put in its place spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. I want us to understand that words, as I started out, are very powerful. And the Bible issues a very strong warning about the words that we would use. Save your spot here in Proverbs. We'll be back. I thought it very uh, important to turn to James chapter number 3. And you probably know this passage, but it just fits so well with this uh, passage about a word fitly spoken as like apples of gold and pitchers of silver that I, I felt it would be very 
important to look at this verse, these verses rather, and just review them. The Bible says in James chapter number 3 and verse number 1, it gives us a stern warning about our tongue. The Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in any man, I'm sorry, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if we are able to uh, always say what is right and, and not misspeak or not uh, allow our tongue to get the best of us, the Bible says the same as a, a perfect man or a, a mature man. And, and listen, I can vouch for all of us, I think, that none of us are perfect. And I think the Bible assures us of that. And I think anybody who has spoken uh, knows the fact that, hey, we have said stuff that have not, has not been right. We've lost our temper, perhaps, or we've said something in a moment that, that, uh, uh, that would not be right. And so we, we know that we are not perfect based on this. But it is important to understand how easy things fly. The Bible says here in verse number 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may, t- that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth, the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And that's just an interesting passage, and we could spend all night uh, uh, digging into that passage, but I want us to understand the power of our words, the illustration that he gives there of the horses and the bit's mouth. A horse is a very large animal, as you know. They can be large or they can be smaller quarter horses or, or ponies and things of that nature. Uh, but nonetheless, the bit that you put in their mouth is not very big. But you can control that whole horse, the direction that he's going, whether he turns this way, whether he turns that way. If you pull and he rears up on his uh, hind legs or, or however, you, you can control that horse with that little tiny bit. He gives another illustration of the ship. And uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen a ship up close. I had uh, not in, in, in quite some time. Uh, I, of course, I grew up on canoes and boats and little things like that, but I had never seen a ship until I had gotten older. Man, when I saw a ship and you step onto that thing, you're like, this thing's pretty big. And it's quite amazing at how big those are. And I think to myself, how do they even float? And I remember going up to uh, Massachusetts and being able to tour one of the uh, oldest uh, Navy vessels that's still in service. It sits there in, in I believe it was Massachusetts. And, um, and, and, and it's incredible. You walk around the thing and it's huge. And, uh, and there is just a little uh, thing at the back. And that's what steers that whole ship. And the illustration is that our tongue can steer your, the direction of your life. The words that we use are very powerful. The words that come out of our mouth can be very, uh, can be very damaging 
or they can be very building and uplifting. There's, there's two ways to look at that. And of course, the warning given in James chapter 3 is the, uh, the, the, the how detrimental the tongue can be and how destructive the, the tongue can be. And, and for that reason, we must be careful of the words that we say. Uh, the tongue has a great power to wield, and as with anything of great power, it comes with great responsibility. We need to be careful of the words that we use. The Bible here, and back in Proverbs 25, in verse number 11, I love this verse, as I've already mentioned. It says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. As much as I like the verse, I don't think I've ever sat down and just kind of dug into this verse and, uh, and really even taught on it. I'm sure I've referenced it many times. But as I started looking that up and, and thinking about this verse, I looked up that word pictures. And, uh, and, and as you look that up, it only shows up three times in the King James Bible. It's amazing how many times words in the book of Proverbs show up one or uh, just a few times. I'm always amazed when I look that up and I come across perhaps a strange word or maybe not a strange word. We know what it means, but a word that is uncommon in the Bible. So pictures is only used three times in the King James Bible, and it's interesting. But as you think about that idea of pictures, I always imagined a painting. But, uh, but in the Bible, uh, paintings were not necessarily a common thing. They, I'm sure they probably existed, but actually, uh, you go back and you look at those other two references where the word pictures is used, and it has to do more with a sculpture. Uh, and so uh, then I started picturing and imagining in my mind uh, just a, a basket or, a, or something uh, that would be made completely in silver. Could you imagine a, a beautiful basket that is sitting there and it's all made in silver? Then they take and they would form some golden apples and they would set them in that that silver basket, and as you think about that illustration, uh, it actually presents a very beautiful image and an idea uh, that is being used. And so the Bible would have us to understand that when we use the right word in the right place, it is a beautiful, uh, ornate thing that can be, sought, that can be visible or, or looked upon. And what is, that, what is that word that's fitly spoken? Listen, it could be as simple as an encouraging word to a brother. Uh, a word that's fitly spoken. Uh, a word that would say, uh, hey, you're doing a good job at what you're doing. Just something like that that would encourage somebody else. And I'm sure there's many illustrations of, of good areas uh, that, that you can use a word. Uh, but certainly we need to understand that our words are very powerful. And if we use them in the right way, they can be a great blessing and, uh, and, uh, and a great uh, help to those. Look with me at verse number 12 because it goes hand in hand with verse number 11. It says, As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise repro reprover upon an obedient ear. Now we've talked about the right words in verse number 11. Uh, I want us to see the reproving words in verse number 12. He says here, uh, as we think about the suitable words, we have the right word and the reproving word. But verse number 12, he says, uh, as, as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover. 
Now, reproof it means to blame, to censure, or blame and condemn wrong, uh, to charge with a fault to the face. Now, that's kind of interesting how that could be an, uh, an earring uh, or an ornament of gold. But you'll notice the Bible says a wise reprover. Now, there's two kinds of reproof, uh, and you know what they are. Uh, sometimes when, uh, a lot of times, let me give you this this way. When my dog does something wrong, you know what I do? I reprove my dog because my dog does not understand me. I don't think she speaks English or Italian, to be honest with you. Um, she's just not that smart. And so I can, I can tell, I can let my dog have it. You stupid dog, why did you dump the trash again? You shouldn't have dumped the trash. That was a bad thing to do. And I can, I can call my dog uh, dumb and, and stupid and an idiot. And you know what? My dog doesn't, she just looks at me. Now she knows I'm in, she's in trouble because of the tone of the voice I'm using. But that's all she knows. She doesn't know the words. But let me tell you something. When you use words like that for people, they know what they mean. And that's not a wise reproof to use with a person. Uh, Because why? Uh, Man, have you ever had a situation where uh, maybe somebody has uh, did something foolish? Now, if you're a parent, you know you've been in this situation many times because you have children, and children invariantly will do something foolish throughout their lifetime. And it will make your blood boil. And, uh, and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get upset with them and you'll say, why did you do that? That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen anybody do. Did you not think about what you were doing? And, uh, and you kind of just uh, let them have it per se. And maybe you don't go over the top and you don't call them names, but, but man, you really reprove them uh, saying that was stupid. You should have thought about what you were doing before you did that. And, and just kind of uh, being a little bit harsh with uh, perhaps the things that are said. And, and as you think about it, you know what? The, in the end of that, two things are going to happen. Number one, the child is going to be, he's going to think, my parent, my mom, or my dad is very upset. That's what he gets out of it. He didn't get anything about his actions or what he did, but he got mom and dad are mad. That's what he got. And it might make the person who, uh, who looses the tongue and, 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 and says all those things, it may make them feel better in that very moment. But it's temporal and it's not long term. And so we need to understand that the Bible would say here and the Bible would have us to believe and understand that a wise reprover is something that is important. And so wise reproof would be something that would make the difference. You know, um, they say, they recommend uh, when, when, we'll use Johnny. When Johnny is a bad boy, uh, you send him to his room. And the parent should cool down before they discipline that child. And that's wise advice. Then when you go in, you can use wise reproof and you can correct Johnny and say, look, Johnny, what you did was not good. Look at the consequences of what has taken place. And you can sit down and you can logically walk Johnny through. Uh, Now, if Johnny's two years old, he might not logic very well with you, okay? Uh, we're talking a little bit older, uh, where they, they understand those things. And you can say, look, at, this, is, this is what happened, and this is the discipline. And you can go through, and you can walk, and you can reprove that child for what they've done. 
Listen, the same thing is true with, uh, with other situations and other people when maybe they're not your child. Maybe you're a boss in a, in a job and you have a responsibility to correct somebody who has done something wrong. Listen, there's a good way to go about it and there's a, a bad way to go about it. And if you take the time, the Bible says a wise reprover somebody who goes about it in a wise way, somebody who will take the time to, uh, to, to try and, and show them, look, you are wrong, and what you did was wrong, and here's how we can fix it, and here's how we can make it better. And that's not always easy, and that doesn't always come easy, but it is something that the Bible would say, and here, verse number 12, the Bible would say that it is as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold. In other words, that it will, uh, it will make you, it will adorn you better in the end if you use wise reproof. Of course, it is pendant on verse number 12 too. The last part it says, upon an obedient ear. Listen, not everyone that you reprove is always going to listen to what you say. And, and as I've stated before, listen, you've got to have the position and the authority. You can't just run around reproving everything that you see wrong. We've uh, we discussed that before. Uh, so you have to have that, that, that place that you, are, you can do that. But the Bible would have us to understand that a wise reprover, in other words, that we would go about it in a right way and in a way that would, uh, that would benefit that person. I want you to understand, too, it is not saying to uh, ignore our responsibility to reprove. No, we have a responsibility to reprove. And sometimes it's not enjoyable, and sometimes it's not fun, and sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes it's hard to go about doing it, but we have that responsibility, and we ought to do it to the very uh, wisest side of our ability that we can. And, and the Bible says in James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so you know what? You send little Johnny to his room. You send the employee to the... Uh, you say, well, I've got to deal with this employee or I've got to deal with this person or whatever the case may be. You know what? You can take five minutes and say, God, I have no idea what to say. Help me to have the right words. Help me to reprove in such a way that would, uh, would be beneficial to the, uh, that person, that they could correct uh, their action and that they could recognize their wrongdoing and that they could get it right and that they could fix it and, and get back on the right track. And so we need to understand that the words that we use are very important. And if we use them appropriately and we use them in a good way, the Bible says that it will be as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold. In other words, it will, it will decorate you and cause you to look better in the end. And just like the Bible says in verse number 11, uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. I thought it was interesting, I forgot to say this, but uh, isn't it interesting that the setting is all in silver, but the words are illustrated as the golden apple, the most valuable part of that picture. And, and the words that we use are important, and they are valuable, and they can be beneficial. So we can see here in verses number 11 and 12, the suitable words that we would use. Look with me at verse number 15 as we think about words in this chapter. The Bible says in verse number 15, by long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. 
Now here's a strange verse for us. Uh, the, the, by long forbearance is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. I want to take the first part, and I want us to break that down and look at that. The Bible says, by long forbearance is a prince persuaded. Now, who is a prince? A prince would be uh, the next in line heir to the throne. He would be uh, the son of a king or uh, somebody that should be uh, in line to, to take the throne over. And the Bible says here uh, that, that by long forbearance is a prince persuaded. In other words, you're not going to walk into a prince uh, and persuade him with powerful words. You can be the best speaker uh, in the world, and you can uh, go by and you can present all of your arguments, but the bottom line is he is the prince, and he will not be overpowered with just words. And so the Bible would have us to understand that by long forbearance, what is that? Well, the word forbearing means ceasing, pausing, or withholding from action. In other words, we could put down there patient, somebody who is patient. And we find that a prince uh, would take a long time to persuade uh, for that person uh, to do something. And you would continually, it's a persuasion, so you would continually counsel and say, look, this is the best way, uh, this is what you should do, and this is the best thing. You think about the kings in the uh, Bible times, they did have wise men that would advise them. But listen, they came with, uh, with, with much time to that trusted position where other people would rely on them. I think of the... Um, I forget his name, I think it was Ahithophel in the Old Testament where uh, the, when, when David had left and, and the Bible said that uh, the words of Ahithophel were like gospel. Whatever Ahithophel said, uh, that was what they did. And, uh, and we find that the one day uh, he, they didn't obey his words and, and he went out and hung himself. That's how, uh, the, how powerful really his words were that, that when they had no more effect, he was like, my job's done. And, and he went out and hung himself. And, uh, and seriously, the words that we use, uh, if they're long and they're patient, listen, controlling our tongue is uh, a difficult matter, and it requires a lot of patience. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we read in James 3, 2, for in many things, if, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And I think about controlling our tongue, and I think about being patient, and, uh, and I think, man, what responsibility that they have here in verse 15. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded. Sometimes when you just want to beat somebody over the head with your words. And, uh, and he's saying, listen, that's not going to work. You know, long forbearing, being patient, and continually persuading, and continually uh, continuing to give your side, and continuing uh, to, do, to uh, argue your point or your case, but in a patient, long-suffering, long-forbearing sort of way. And it's a self-control that would, that would come, and many times we are impatient by nature. And, uh, and perhaps we need to learn self-control. You know, the military, uh, te or it used to teach, I don't know if it still does, not like it used to, uh, but it used to be the military would teach discipline. 
Man, they'd take a bunch of roughneck guys and bring them in there, and, uh, and you never saw men stand up so straight when that, when that sergeant said, attention. You never saw men uh, do something so disciplined. Hey, I want, give me 10 push-ups. I mean, they all go down, man. They're giving you 10 and they're back up. I mean, I mean, they had, why is that? It was discipline that was instilled on them. And listen, why, why can they do that? Well, the military had, has the ability because they can, they, can, they can issue you pain if you don't obey. Many times you don't have, you can't do that um, outside of, of a military setting, outside of a, a child setting. And so you know what? It takes patience with words and constant persuading with words. And so we find that a prince is not swayed by power. He's not swayed uh, by, by your strength or your position because he's second in the kingdom, but rather he would be persuaded and swayed by patiently talking with him. And so we find that that's an interesting part. The first part, there's patience. But I want you to notice the second part. And the Bible says, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. I want you to understand that soft words do not, does not mean weak words. I don't want you to confuse the two. There's, there's soft words. You can, be, uh, you can be soft-spoken. I was thinking of several quotes, and, and one of them was that I, I don't think I wrote it down, but I, I, the fellow who wrote the, the, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. And then the other fellow that said, uh, talk soft and carry a big stick, amen? Uh, so you just talk soft. There's no need to get uh, animated or, or yell or get frustrated and, uh, and yell at people. And so we find here in this verse, it says, a soft tongue breaketh the bones. Isn't that interesting? Because usually somebody would get upset, they would yell and scream uh, and, and, and yell at people, but the truth of the matter is people generally will tune that out. They're not going to listen to that. But if you use like the first part of the verse and have patience in your own self and have self-control with yourself and you can use soft words, that's not weak words, that's soft words, and then talk, the Bible says, it breaketh the bone. That's a powerful statement. Turn back with me. Well, you don't have to turn there, but you can note it down. Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 1 uh, is a very important verse and, and one that many of you know. The Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Listen, I, I, um, I was thinking of a couple of illustrations there. One, I, I, was, I remember when I was in Italy, and I, was, I, was, I had a neighbor lived right next door to me. And, and he was a big guy. I mean a big guy. He was twice my size, easy. And I'm not a very big guy, so that's not hard to, to do. But, uh, but he, was, he was a big guy. And he come over one day, and he was angry at me. I mean, he, he come over and I didn't know he was angry or I probably wouldn't have opened the gate. And, and, uh, and, and we had a, a big, like a, there's always a big steel gate and fence around a thing. And so I saw it was him. So I, 
I know him, and so I opened the gate and I let him in, and, and he stepped over the gate, and when he did, man, he started chewing me out one side down up the other. I don't even know what he was saying because he was rattling it all off in Italian so fast I had no clue what he was saying. I understood very few words. Probably that's for the better. And, and, uh, and, and, and he got done, and I, I thought, man, I thought, I'm, I'm, this guy's going to kill me. I mean, I didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, he was yelling at the top of his lungs, and, and he turned around, and, and he stormed out, and I, and I stepped out, and, and I, I just said one word, I, or two couple words. I didn't even know what to say. I, I said, I love you, brother. That's all I said. Man, I, I don't even think he knew what I said, and he turned right around, and I thought, oh, boy, I'm dead. And he come right back in, and, 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 and again, I mean, he went, went through it all again, and then, and then he left. And I, I, I really didn't know what to respond, to be honest with you. But the Bible would tell us that a soft answer turneth away wrath. And, and a lot of times, if you're working in a language, you understand you can understand the whole situation, which you are and you will. You can, you can talk to people calmly. Now, when somebody's angry and upset, that's probably not the best time to talk with them. It's best to just let them cool off and let some people are, uh, man, when they get blood boiling mad, they, they're not going to cool off right away. And you might need to give them some space and give them some time before you would talk with them. But a soft answer would turn away wrath and and. And then it says here in verse number 15, it says, A soft tongue breaketh the bone. And we need to understand that the words that we use are very, can be very powerful words. And they can change somebody's heart. And they can uh, make a big impact and a big difference. And so we see suitable words using the right word. We see soft words and how powerful even soft words. They're not weak words. They're meek words, which would be strength under control. And, uh, and I want us to understand that soft words are very good words. And they're very helpful words many times. Look with me at verse number 20. And we'll see sympathizing words. The Bible says here in verse number 20, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to an heavy heart. Sympathizing words. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not real good at sympathizing words. Uh, I wouldn't count myself as the best sympathizer. Uh, but, But... there's something to be said. There's something uh, to be understood here. Look with me in the first part of verse 20. He says, as he that taketh away a garment in cold weather. Now, we can understand that. That's pretty simple. If you came into church tonight, it's not really that cold. Let's say a couple Sundays ago when it was freezing. You came into church and, and you hung your coat up and, 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 uh, and you were in church and, and somebody went out and they took your coat and left with your coat. Now you've got to go out and you've got to get in your freezing car without a coat and, and get your car warmed up. You'd probably be a little bit upset about that. That would bother you. That probably wouldn't set well with you. Even if it was an accident, you would still be upset. Somebody took my coat and I've got to sit in this freezing car and, uh, man, I wish I had my coat. And so we understand that that's a pretty simple illustration that he gives there in the first part. The second part, maybe we don't understand so well, but I'll explain it to you. The Bible says, and as vinegar upon nitre. I don't know how to say that word. I'll just say nitre. And 
what is niter? Well, I looked that up because I knew you would ask, right? Niter is only used two times in the Bible. Again, another illustration of a word that's used few times in the Bible. Niter is, is basically carbonate of soda. Uh, and it's used as a soap for cleansing. And it is an alkaline co- uh, content. In other words, it's not acidic, it's alkaline. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 22, it says, I'll give you, that's the other verse where it's used. It says, For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. And so it is a type of soap. Uh, and you could probably equate it to baking soda. It's probably not quite the same. But if you've ever done a science experiment, you take the baking soda and you take vinegar, and you mix them together, and you know what happens. It bubbles, and it fizzes, and, and, and you, you know, you, you all made the little, um, uh, the little volcanoes, you know, and you put the, put the baking soda down in there. You didn't do that as a kid. I did it as a kid. I don't know. And, uh, and then you dump the vinegar in there, and it, it erupts and explodes, and it's kind of cool. So, uh, so, so it's explosive. It's a chemical reaction that takes place. And it causes a scene, and it causes a lot of problem, and it, it's, it causes quite a stir. So the Bible says, as he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, if somebody takes your coat when it's cold, it makes you mad. And if somebody were to dump vinegar on nitre or baking soda, uh, and, and the, you could see how that would stir up all kinds of, uh, of, of things, then the Bible says, so is he that singeth songs to an heavy heart. And so we have the, uh, the idea of sympathizing words and singing to the sorrowful. When somebody's brokenhearted and when somebody's upset and when somebody is mourning or, uh, or has a bad day, uh, that's not the best time to go up and sing to them, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, if they sing that for themselves, that's one thing. Maybe you do. I, sometimes I... I have to remind myself of that verse. But, but for somebody else, uh, that's not a proper response, that we would go up and start singing some joyful song that would, uh, that would, that's not going to help them. And there's something to be said for sympathizing with somebody else when they're going through a difficult situation, and maybe they don't need somebody to encourage them. Maybe they just need somebody that would listen to them and give them a sympathizing word. And something that would say, well, I'm sorry that you're having a rough day, or I'm sorry that you're going through that situation, or uh, listen, I'll be praying for you, or something that would sympathize with them and not, uh, not, not throw it in their face that they're having a bad day. Some people sometimes have bad days, and everyone will feel sorrow in this lifetime. And so we need to be careful that we sympathize with other people. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 50 and verse 4, The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in a season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. That's Isaiah 50 and verse number 4. That the Lord would give me a tongue of the learned, that I would know how to speak a word to him that is in a season of weary. Listen, we as Christians, we ought to be able to sympathize with with Christians and uh, with people who are through difficult situations and have a little bit of sympathy. I think that goes right along with compassion 
and being kind one to another. And so there's sympathizing words that would be uh, important that we would take time to sympathize with other people. Not only that, but I want you to look at verse number 25. The last verse that we'll look at this evening. The Bible says, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. last one I put is saving words. The good news, I don't know if you've, you probably know this, but the word gospel means good news. And it's good news of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater good news uh, than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater... Uh, news that you could give to any person than the fact that God, the God of the universe, knows who they are, knows everything that he's that they have done, and He still loves them and cares about them so much that He uh, came to this earth and He died on the cross of Calvary and shed His precious blood for their sins, and then He rose again on the third day and He offers them the free gift of salvation if they would just accept it. That's good news. And I can't think of any country farther away than heaven. And that's the, uh, the good news that comes uh, to a thirsty soul. Listen, as we go through, uh, if we've been through this past year, I am telling you, people more so today are wide open to the gospel, having been through this pandemic and all the craziness that's going on, and they found science to be hopeless for them. It's turned up empty. And they're saying, uh, man, I don't know, you know what the answers are. Listen, they're thirsty for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're open to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we take the saving words, not our words, but the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world that is thirsty and they need to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's saving words. Listen, there's no more powerful words than the gospel and the word of God. And we have the opportunity. Hey, we know the truth. We know uh, what the gospel is. Uh, you and I, we've, we've prayed and we've asked the Lord to save us and, and we're grateful for what He's done for us. And so we have the answer. Uh, maybe not all the answers to everything, but at least we have the answer of salvation to a lost and dying world and that saving words that we ought to take to the lost and dying world because they are thirsty. And they're in need of the gospel. They might not show it. They might not uh, perhaps um, act like they're thirsty. But deep down in, they know they need something. They're missing something. And the gospel is as a cold waters to a thirsty soul. So is good news from a far country. We have the answers. We need to get it to the lost and dying world that people could put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Just a few thoughts on words, suitable words, soft words, sympathizing words, and saving words that I hope and pray that we would use for uh, God's honor and for His glory. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we'll just have a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word, the Word, 
that does have all the answers to our life problems and our life difficulties. God, we might not understand all the answers, but we sure know where to find that. God, thank you for your word. And God, may we be careful of the words that we use. May we use suitable words and soft words and sympathizing words, Father, and saving words. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be um, use our words that we have wisely. And God, that they might be apples of gold and pitchers of silver. That they might be a gold earring or a gold ornament that we would have. God, not because of how wise we are, but because of how wise you are and the instruction that you've given us in your word. And God, how you help us and you strengthen us to use the right words in the right way. God, I pray that you would just help us as Christians to be careful of our words, understand the power that they have behind that. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we just have a short hymn of invitation, if God spoke into your heart, the altar's open. You can pray there in your seat. Words. So important. So often used, so flippantly. Thank you for the thoughts, Brother Rice. I need to see our deacons for a couple minutes. It'll be very brief. If you guys would go ahead and dismiss yourself towards my office, I'll join you there in just a moment. May God richly bless each one as you go home tonight. Give you a good week. The rest.